Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. If you are here for the first time today, I just want to say welcome. If you're watching on the screen at our other locations, welcome. Especially those of you who are here for the first time, whether you're watching on the screen or here live, uh, we would love for you to come down front and introduce yourself after the service. I will be down front. The pastor at your location will be down front and uh, be there to greet you. So we're in this series called Faith. And we've been talking about what it looks like for faith to be applied to different areas of our lives. And we've talked about, well, what does it look like if I apply faith to my family? What does it look like to have faith-filled finances and make faith-filled decisions? What does that look like? We've been looking at a particular book in the New Testament called Hebrews, and we're going to be opening that up and reading that in just a couple of minutes. So my old car, my old truck that I have, uh, is getting older, and uh, the, not too long ago, a few months ago, it uh, had every light on the dashboard come on, like every single light. And the gauges wouldn't work, and it would only go like 35 or 40 miles an hour. And this huge light right in the middle was blinking that said, reduced engine power. And I thought, well, I didn't need a light to tell me that. So I had to take it in and I found out all the cylinders weren't working. Only a few of the eight were working. And so I had to get all the work done uh, to make sure it was working with all cylinders so it could run normally. Many of you probably are at a place in life where you feel like, gosh, I just wish life would just kind of get going for me. Maybe work on all cylinders. I feel like things aren't quite working the way they should. I believe that faith is the answer to that. Taking a step of faith will get us to the life that we're meant to live. When I was a kid in school, I got in a little bit of trouble occasionally. Well, actually, I got in a lot of trouble just for mischievous things, but I found myself in the principal's office a lot. Anybody else, can you relate to that? Just tell the truth. Just fess up. We're in church. You can do that. Uh, Yeah, if your mom's in here, you're like, I'm not raising my hand for that. I can remember sitting in the principal's office, and he would read my list of offenses, and then he would say, therefore, here's what we're going to do because you did that. And we do that a lot in life. We say, well, I'm in love, so therefore, I'm going to ask this person to marry me. I have some money, therefore, I'm going to buy some things. I can't stand you, therefore, I'm going to get out of your presence. I'm not going to take care of my body, therefore I'm going to end up unhealthy. Well, today's message is how therefore applies to this faith story that we've been reading in the New Testament book of Hebrews. We're going to look at one of God's big therefores. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, you can just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. You can keep it, you can borrow it, you can also read along on the side screens as I read from God's Word today. So in Hebrews chapter 12, right after Hebrews 11, which is what we've been going through for the last few weeks, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 
So what is being said is because of everything I just said, I want you to live like this. I want you to live a life of faith, which involves getting rid of the things that weigh you down. Getting rid of the things that make you feel like, well, life's not hitting on all cylinders. I'm running at a little reduced power here, and I need some help. What he's saying, because of what I just said, you can do that. And you need to do that by doing what? By putting your eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith, who makes our imperfections perfect. So in this message, I'm going to ask you to do something. I just want you to be ready for it. I'm going to ask you to identify what's holding you back in life and then release it. Because any issue that's holding you back from what God created you to be and created you to do is an issue of faith. And so in the backs of the seats in front of you or at the other locations in the floor beneath you or on the arm of the seat beside you, there are cards. And I want you to take those cards out and look at what they say. Because at some point in the service, I'm going to guide you through a decision that I think every person in here needs to make that's on this card. So hold on to that as I'm talking, as you maybe are motivated to take a step of faith, just write that down as we go along. So let's review a little bit about what Hebrews is about. So Hebrews 11, well, actually the entire book of Hebrews, is addressed to a group of people who had decided they wanted to be followers of Christ. And so they followed Christ, and they heard that Jesus was coming back. And as the days went on, they started to get a little frustrated that, hey, Jesus actually hasn't shown up yet, and so we're not sure if we're still going to be in on being a follower of Christ. And so they were wavering between their old life and this new life that they had found in Christ. And they were kind of going back and forth trying to figure out, is this something I should continue to believe in? And so the book of Hebrews was written to encourage followers of Christ to keep their faith, to not go back, to stay in a relationship with Christ. And so chapter 11 starts out defining what faith is for us where it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. He's trying to say faith is an assurance that although you can't see it out there, it's real. It's true. You can have assurance and confidence in things that you can't see. And he uses the example of the creation of the universe. Nobody was there to see it. However the universe came to be, nobody was there to see it. And so what he's saying is God created it. They believed it like we do, that God created the universe. Even though we weren't there to see it, we can look around and see the evidence that God did that. He then brings up people from previous generations that are great examples of taking steps of faith, of taking steps where you, when you don't know where it's going to lead, but you have confidence and assurance that God is going to do what God has promised to do. And we use this definition to describe faith. Let's read this out loud together. 
Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he's promised to do. Faith is the confidence that God's who he says he is and he's going to do what he's promised to do. When you believe that, when that gets out of your head and into your heart, it will affect your decisions. It will change the way you relate to other people. It will change the way you handle disappointments. It will change the way you handle success. It will change everything about you when you really get it deep inside your soul that I can have confidence that God's who he says he is. And he's going to do exactly what he promised to do. And so he names off a lot of people. We didn't talk about all of them, but he names off people like Abel. The story in the Old Testament who brought an offering to God in spite of his brother kind of just giving God what was left over. He prioritized and he's held up as this example of faith. He talks about Noah who built an ark, who built a boat when there was no rain and was ridiculed, but he knew God said, do this. And so he was doing it and it didn't matter what was going on around him. We talked about Abraham and how Abraham made the decision to take this big step of faith, even though he didn't know where he was going to end up. And then there's Rahab that he talks about, a prostitute who trusted God and did what God asked her to do. And because of her faith, she ignored what everybody else said about her, and she is listed in the hall of fame of faith. And then Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about these unnamed people who because of their big steps of faith made big decisions and experienced tremendous blessing in life. And then he talks about another group of people who made big steps of faith and suffered for it. And how God was with them through every tear, through every difficult decision that no matter what their decision was and what the results were, that God was with them because their decisions were filled with faith. Faith filled, a faith-filled life causes us to take steps without knowing where we're going. God will give us the direction that we need. He'll point us in the direction that we need to go. But turn-by-turn directions, God usually doesn't give those. I just came back from a trip this week, and uh, we got stuck in traffic, and I, was, uh, I wasn't driving when I was doing this. I was texting with a friend, and he said, you need to download this navigation app. And so I did. It's this really cool app that uh, has celebrity voices that'll tell you where to go. And so you can have Shaq tell you, you know, be careful. You don't want to get in a Shaq accident. Uh, I found out about this rapper, T-Pain, I'd never heard about. He sang to me uh, with auto-tune as I made the turns through the city of Chicago. Uh, And then on the way home, uh, I used Colonel Sanders to give me the directions to get home. And he did. And he would even warn me, hey, there's a policeman up ahead. And if he asks, I was with you last night. (laughs) So turn-by-turn directions, that's valuable. I need it. You need it. That's why we use it. But God doesn't give turn-by-turn directions when you're taking steps of faith. God gives us more of a compass and says, here is the direction I want you to go in. And we go in that direction. 
And when we're going in that direction, great things might happen in our life, but we're still going in the same direction. When you're using a compass to navigate, you will go through hills and valleys and over cliffs and through rivers, and life is the same way. We'll go through beautiful times in life, we'll go through challenges in life, but when we've made a faith decision that we're going to move in the direction that God has for our life, no matter what comes our way, the decisions we need to make become clearer. And even if we're going through a very difficult time, if we're moving in the direction that God has for us, He will be there to hold our hand. He will be there to comfort us. He will be there to celebrate with us. So faith is not about getting turn-by-turn directions. Faith is about walking in a direction. Even when he said, hey, fix your eyes on Jesus. Go in that direction. So after all of that, he's saying, this is what faith-filled decisions, this is what a faith-filled life looks like. And he says the big word, therefore. So after I've shown you what a faith-filled life looks like, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So he's describing to us what the life of faith looks like. If you're taking notes, write this down. The life of faith is not about getting God to participate in our agenda for our life. The life of faith is about participating in God's agenda for our life. And the sooner we figure that out, that it's not me saying, God, here's my plans. Why don't you come on over here and help me out? Why don't you come on over here and do them with me? That's a difficult way to live because you're going to be unsure. Faith is saying, God, what is your plan for my life? That is the direction I want to go in. And that's what's going to make all the decisions and affect the way I make decisions and interact with people and walk through life. So he says, get rid of all the things that hold you back. And what awaits you is a life that you can't even imagine. A life living up to your full potential when you get rid of the things that hold you back. And he simply says, look at all these people back here who did that. Look at all of these people who made decisions without knowing where they were going who got rid of the things that held them back and focused on the direction in which God had pointed them. Look at what happened. And he's saying, all of those people are witnesses. And he's painting this picture of a sports arena. If you read this in the original language, it would would feel a lot different. But he's painting this picture of, picture like a big Olympics. And there's all these people watching. And he's saying, They may not literally be watching, but their stories are watching you and they're cheering you on to get rid of the things that slow you down. And in a stadium full of people back then, this is the word picture it would have created in people's minds who first read this. If you went to a sporting event then, it was probably running, they're running foot races, and it was all men. And they ran in such a way that they were not encumbered by anything. Um, how can I say? They ran naked. And you can look this up. There are no pictures. Please don't look for pictures. But, but they ran naked in their games. 
And that was not a sexual thing. They did kind of do it to show off the man's physique, but they, they did it to be unencumbered so they could run unrestricted. And what he's saying is strip everything off that's holding you back and run in a way that you can win. Look how those people did it. Look how Abraham did it. Look how Abel did it. Look how Rahab did it. Look how David did it. Look at how they did it. Look at all those people who had good times and tough times. Look how they did it. And because of that, you can strip off everything that holds you back and live the life you're supposed to live. Quite often, I will get with people who are several years ahead of me in doing what I do. And I've done this since I was in my 20s. Then I got with people my age. Now I get with people a lot older. A few months ago, I sat at Starbucks with a pastor who's 77 years old, and I had, I had a question for him. How do you keep doing what you're doing? How do you get up every week and it's fresh? How do you continue to look out at the future? I want to know, because I'm doing something that I can't imagine ever stopping doing, but realizing at some point it has to stop. So I asked him, how, how, do, how do you do that? And so he gave me some advice, and I looked at how he has been, and I thought, great, I'm watching you. Listening to your advice will help. And so looking at these stories we've looked at should help us identify the thing that's holding us back and then move forward. A better way to translate this would be get rid of the dominant thing that's ruling your life right now. And what is it for you? What's the dominant thing that's holding you back? Is it money? Is it a bad relationship? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it a bad habit? But for all of us, we can identify a dominant thing that can hold us back. Is your life dominated by busyness that you just can't seem to get your arms around? Well, maybe that's the thing you just need to get rid of. If you came up after the service and said, hey, Donnie, I'd like to challenge you to a race to the other end of the parking lot and back. Well, first, I would kind of size you up and think, can I beat them or not? And if I felt like it might be close, I would say, well, look, I'm not, I'm not dressed uh, to race. And so I need to go get different shoes, put on some shorts, a lighter shirt, and, and, and then we'll race. I'll, I'll go get ready, and then that's what we'll do. I want to get rid of the things that would slow me down. And so this writer in Hebrews is saying, the things that are slowing you down in life, get rid of them. And when you get rid of them, when you get rid of those things, here, here's what it says in the very next verse, in Hebrews 12, verse 2. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So how do you get rid of the things that you need to get rid of? Well, you do it by keeping your eyes on Jesus, by, by looking at that's the direction, because you can't be perfect. You can't not make mistakes. You can't bat a thousand. It can't, you can't in life. But Jesus did. He already won the race, and he's at the finish line saying, would you just join me at the finish line? Would you just, the, the perfection that I attained, I want to put that on you if you just come on up here and join me. Stay focused on me, because that's where a faith filled life leads to enjoying the perfection that Jesus attained. And so what we're reading is 
we need to get rid of the things that hold us back. And he says, the sin that easily trips us up. Now, sin is not a popular word to use today because if I tell anybody they're sinning, the first thing they would say is, stop judging me. Judging somebody is saying, look, you are going to hell. That's judgment. That's not our job. We're not supposed to do that. It's not judging to say those actions are wrong and you should not do that. And so what he's saying is the things in your life that are wrong, that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that easily trip you up, get rid of them. Stop doing it. If you want to live this life focused on Christ, this life of faith that God has for you, get rid of the things that weigh you down and especially the sins that get you tangled up. Sin is just missing the mark. That's what it means. This mark of perfection that God has. And when I miss that, that's sin. And the good news is, it's called the gospel, that Jesus attained perfection. So we don't have to be perfect, but we do have to focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter of the faith that we have. So without Jesus, there is no perfection. And so he's saying, get rid of the things that keep you from that. Remember, faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he's promised to do. And what he's promised to do for us is this. When we make faith-filled steps, he has promised that he will lead us in a direction with our eyes on Christ where our faith will be perfected because Jesus already ran the race and already won it. In fact, Jesus said, you only need a small amount of faith to do really big things. Just a little bit. Just a little bit will do, and you can do big things. See, that's the good news, that he did all the work for us, and what he asked us to do is, hey, I need you to surrender to my perfection. I need you to surrender to the life that I have for you. That's what I need you to do, is just surrender. For some of you, that's a relationship maybe you got to get rid of. It's a shift in focus. It's a shift in your integrity. But he's saying, I just need you to surrender that. And when you do, you take on my perfection. So what do you need to surrender? I mean, when I fill out my card in a moment, I... I'm going to write that the thing I need to let go of is my insecurity because I struggle with what I do and who I am getting all mixed up, getting my identity in the wrong place. Does anybody else struggle with that or is that just me? I struggle with feeling like my identity is wrapped up into what I do and I have to consciously, constantly think about God doesn't love me more or accept me more because I accomplish some good things. He doesn't. Now, sometimes I go to bed feeling really good about myself. But then when I feel really good about myself, I immediately follow it up with, I feel bad about myself because I just felt too good about myself. <laughs> because I think that God is loving me more. Oh, look at Donnie. He did a great job today. Great sermon, buddy. I love you this week. But what if I don't feel like that? Well, then I feel like, well, God is going like, oh man, are you ever going to get it? You've been doing this a long time. You still don't get it. And so I go back and forth. And so what do I need to get rid of that I feel holding me back? That insecurity that causes me to place too much value 
in what I do as opposed to who I am before God. That's what I need to get rid of. That's what I need to surrender. Now, if you grew up going to church, you know what it means when, when like when our music was playing earlier, people had their hands in the air, they, they were singing. And if you didn't grow up going to church, you probably think, that's weird. Why do people raise their hand up when somebody sings? I don't get it. Well, it's the sign of surrender. And what people are saying when their hands are up is like if you're robbing a bank and a cop says, put them up, what, you, know, you drop the money and you put your hands up because you are surrendering. And that is what God expects from each of us. Surrender to what he offers you. Surrender to the life that he has for you. And so when you see people in a time of worship with their hands up in the air, they're saying, God, I surrender. God, your ways are better than my ways. God, the mess I make of my life, I surrender it to you. I surrender my worries. I surrender my mistakes. I surrender the past that I just can't seem to let go of. I surrender. That's a big step of faith for a lot of people. Just surrender. Now, some people don't do it because they think, well, what's, you know, if I surrender, then what's that going to mean for this and this and this? Because you can't see where it's going to lead. There's an animal called an impala. That's how the car was named for this African animal. Looks like an antelope. And the impala has this amazing ability to jump 10 feet up in the air. And it can jump 30 feet. This one little animal. But you know how you cage an impala? You put a three foot high barricade fence around it and it won't jump. Because an impala by instinct will not jump when it can't see where its feet are going to land. Don't be like the impala. I mean, if, if you want to cage one, you just put a three-foot wall around it. But if it, if it could get past the fear of not seeing where its feet are going to land, then it could be free like that. And some of you are living in captivity emotionally and spiritually, and there's just this little three-foot barricade wall when your faith will allow you to jump 10 feet straight up in the air and 30 feet out to freedom. That's what taking a step of faith is all about. Even if you don't know where it's going to lead, even if you don't know where you're going to land and you can't see it, the step of faith that God asks us to take just says, go in this direction and I've got the rest. So underneath each of your chairs, there's two rocks and I want you to pick them up. This might feel a little weird, but do it anyway. And the lights are so bright, I can't see your faces, so I don't know uh, if, you gotta, if you're like, this is weird, I can't even tell it, okay? So just go with us. Even those of you at the other locations, there are rocks under your chair. Uh, please pick those up, put one in each hand, and everybody stand up. And I want you to take this rock and, and just raise it up like this and just hold it tightly. Hold it so tight that you can feel the muscles in your arms flexing. Hold it so tight that you can feel your palms and your fingers start to tingle. And then think about what is it you need to let go of? The attitude, the actions, the worry, your past, whatever it is, there's something that you're holding on to that's holding you back that won't let you scale the three-foot fence. 
when you have that ability in you. And just keep holding it. Hold on to it really tight. And then with me, just let it go. And let it drop. And let that be a symbol that you're letting go. You're getting rid of the things that are holding you down. That you're not going to carry whatever that was around with you anymore. And then, you can be seated. And, and then, as the band starts to play this song, take that card and indicate where you are and what you've decided to do today. There's three things on there. Today I've decided, one, maybe you've never taken that first big step of faith and said, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to have his perfection credited to me. Then check that box and say, I am ready. And if you check that box, please come and talk to me or someone else down front after the service. And if you do that, then you're ready to do what every follower of Christ did in the first century church, and that's be baptized. And we're having a baptism service next week, and we can talk to you about all that. And if you haven't ever been baptized, and yet you're a follower of Christ, check that box if you're ready. And then for the rest of us that maybe those first two don't apply to, today I've decided to let go of. For me, it's my insecurities and my misplaced identity. I'm going to let that go. That's what I heard when the rocks hit the floor. Is Donnie's insecurities and misplaced identities will no longer hold him back. So whatever you let go of, write it in those blanks on that card. And then as the band plays, they will instruct you when it's time to bring it up and just simply lay it on the front of the stage. And we're going to pray for those. And you can put your, we'd like for you to put your name and email on there. You don't have to if you're not comfortable doing that. You can just leave that part blank and we'll still pray for you because God knows who wrote that down and we'll put you before him with prayer. Let's do that together when the band instructs us and just take some time and write down the step of faith that you need to take. Scale that three-foot wall and move into freedom. Let's pray. God, as we sit here with three simple boxes on a piece of paper, God, I pray that when, when everyone released whatever it is that's holding them back, that they leave that here in this room. That they don't let it hold them back anymore. And they allow themselves to fully surrender to the perfection that Christ offers each of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.